Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Berg. Welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we've got a great hands-on how-to episode for you. Whitetail season is just around the corner. Summer's winding down uh, faster than I can believe, uh, and it won't be long at all until I'm going to be climbing into a tree stand, and, and I can't wait, and I'm sure that you can't wait, and I know that the guests that I have with me today can't wait. I've got Mr. Dean Reagan on the phone. Dean is the Director of Product Development for Flextone Game Calls. Dean, uh, thanks so much for being with me today. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, and thank you very much for having me on the air. I appreciate it. Well, Dean, uh, you got a pretty good gig. I mean, product development man at Flextone, you're getting to play with all the duck calls, elk calls, deer calls, you name it. Uh, that's that's not a bad way to spend your nine to five. It's not bad. It's uh, you know I uh, have a lot of friends back home wishing they had my job, but. And I told them it's not as glorious as you think it is. There, there is a lot of hard work to it, and a lot of, a lot of things behind the scenes, you know, bringing a product to life from, you know, from from the costing factor, a factor of manufacturing, make sure you're having product there for customers. Um, uh, you know, that can be um, uh, difficult at times and and very strenuous. But uh, when you know when you're actually finally getting the chance to get up into a tree stand or. Uh, uh, in the turkey woods or the elk mountains, whatever, and get to finally use the product that that you help bring to life. That is a that's definitely a little a, a gratitude in itself, and um, uh, definitely fun to to be a part of. Well, Dean, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, I assume you've been you've been a hunter for many years. Where, where are you from? Uh, how did you cut your teeth hunting, and and how long have you been involved with Flexstone? Um, well, I started hunting uh, when I was in. Um, in high school, uh, I grew up in Boonville, Missouri, which is in central Missouri, on the bluffs of the Missouri River. And uh, you know, my dad uh, was a high school football coach and uh, didn't have a, and owned a sporting goods store, so he didn't have a lot of time to, to teach us how to hunt. But he definitely taught us gun safety and you know the ins and outs and to where he felt comfortable to re, to release me and my brother out to go hunting uh, with friends and. Wasn't until probably um, well, I guess I was about a uh, freshman in college when I really got into uh, turkey hunting and then deer hunting. Um, you know, into the big game is always quail, rabbit, uh, dove, things like that. Uh, in high school, uh, but it wasn't until I got into college when I really got into the uh, actually calling game. That's what was really fun to me. I just was totally intrigued by it and. Uh, was really, uh, I guess I don't know the way to put it, but ate up with turkey calling, uh, and that was back in 1980. So, uh, um, you know, from there it just took off, and I've always been in sales, and um, I basically kind of got uh, into the industry um, through a friend who was actually a rep uh, in the industry for Primos Hunting Calls. And I got to know uh, Will and Jimmy Primos and uh, became a pro staffer for them. And within a year, uh, was asked to um, 
moved to Mississippi and be a vice president of sales for Primos. Um, and uh, I welcomed that opportunity, and that's what really got me into the industry. And I was with Primos for eight years, uh, from '96 to 2004, and um, uh, basically decided to move move back a little closer home uh, for for my family, and um, worked for a few companies like Mossy Oak. Um, but it wasn't until uh, I believe it was uh, 2006. Then two years later, um, I hooked up with um, um, Wall Game Innovations with Matt Ryan and Mr. Big Bill <laughs> with a Wall Game Nation TV show, and uh, started working with them. And um, after a couple of years of being with them, they they had the opportunity to buy um, Flexstone Game Calls, and um, uh, that was a very, very fun uh, acquisition. Uh, the, the original owner, uh, Tom Wiley, who still works for us, he's a contract. He does a, he does probably 75% um, of a lot of the product development of deer calls, turkey calls, and stuff. Um, uh, you know, along with myself. But Tom's, Tom's very, very good, very, uh, very innovative, very creative. Understands um, how how calls need to sound. Um, and, and that's one of the things that really, um, you know, I was excited about because Flexstone has a, a very um, unique story to be told. You know, Tom started the company. He was actually a surgical nurse, believe it or not. Uh, and he was cleaning up um, uh, an operating table um, one day and um, was removing some rubber tubing. And the light bulb went off. Uh, Tom, you know, was a deer hunter, but a really, really avid duck caller. And he's like, you know, I wonder if I can make a duck call out of surgical tubing. And that's how Flextone all, all started. He, you know, he started buying surgical tubing and found a way to be able to work it with, with the Mylar reeds and, and, and realized that, that actually rubber or PVC has a very natural tone, very similar to the animals, because it basically copies or reenacts, if you will, emulates the 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 throat, the larynx, voice box of a lot of animals because it is a soft tissue like rubber and PVC. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, Flexstone has a, a definite edge over you know, other makers of calls that, that either use polycarbonate, acrylic, ABS, you know, there's a lot of different um, uh, materials, but the problem with those components, they're very hard. And with that, when, when a sound is made, that sound bounces off very, I call it brash. It's a very brash sound. It's, I mean, it's loud, um, so if you're wanting to get out there, that's great. Uh, but a lot of that up-close personal calling, as I like to call it, um, using rubber PVC as it just mellows it out and gives it a truer tone that, that a lot of calls um, have. And also, being that it is flexible, you're able to manipulate the sounds by bending or pinching that body material. Uh, it allows you to add inflection. So, you know, uh, calls like predator calls are probably one of the biggest ones where having rubber is a huge advantage because when you're trying to emulate a screaming rabbit, it's a very, like, guttural, pleading sound, and you can do that by, by bending and releasing that, that body cavity and it adds so much inflection to your calling, uh, but but it but it goes past predator. I mean, deer is the same way. You know, with our deer calls, you're able to actually push buttons to change the tone. Where a lot of your harder, you know, polycarbonate calls, you have to take it out 
and then roll roll up or down an O-ring and put it back on. And but in hunting situations, that that's that's not always a feasible option because of the movement you're making. You know, uh, elk calls the same way. You're able to 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 pinch that to change t- tones and whatnot, and carries all the way through the duck. You know, you know, even in the duck calling, um, you know, duck calling it's it's really great, but. Uh, for the for the tone, not a lot of uh, mainstream hardcore waterfowlers are into rubber <laughs> rubber duck calls. Uh, they're more into the acrylic and the old pretty fancy you know duck calls, which which are loud. But what we're finding is that a lot of those guys are using the acrylic duck calls for the for the loud you know hail calls, turn back calls, things like that. But when it's actually getting in close, a lot of them will switch to to a rubber type calls like ours. Because it is because the dots are closer, you can hear, and they can they can add that 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 natural sound uh, to it. Uh, our wood duck call is oh, it's, it's number one selling duck call in the nation just because of the of the fact uh, how uh, wood duck squeals. It's more of a I'll see if I can do it. With my voice more of a you you can't do that with a hard call. You can only do that by bending that call and releasing it, bending it and releasing it, and it just makes the best wood duck sound. So you know the the, the flex tone technology of, of the flexible body is a is a is a total story in itself, and it's uh, I think it's capturing the the um, the not only the imagination but the functionality of of today's mainstream hunter with all of their demands uh, that, that they have on, on products that they buy. You know, uh, hunters nowadays, uh, they're, they're a lot like me. They're, 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 um, they love gadgets, <laughs> and they love, love things that are different and that, that maybe add to the, uh, the overall hunting experience, and that's what game calls do. There's nothing, no other product that I can think of that, that actually adds to your success of hunting uh, the way calling, calling an animal gives you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, guns and scopes, you know, but make you successful in finishing, but the calling actually uh, makes it close and personal, and that's what's fun about calling calling game. Yeah, and we're going to give you a chance to, to do some deer calling here in a few minutes. Um, let's jump into, you know, deer calling whitetails, which is, uh, you know, the topic of this show, and, you, and you'll be able to demonstrate some of that uh, you know, versatility, I guess, that, that mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. with those flex tone calls. Um, you know, I've been interviewing, like I, I told you, Dean, I actually kind of doing this interview with you as a, as a complimentary piece to a, an article that I've been working on for our October issue about deer calling. And as I've been talking to people such as yourself, other experts in the industry, uh, accomplished hunters, all of them, and uh, talking to them about the subject of deer hunting. And the thing that's really struck me is that uh, so many of these guys that are good callers, uh, they believe in it so much, they call an awful lot, probably a lot more than the average hunter does or the average hunter would imagine. You know, some of the, like I, t- I interviewed a guy from Kansas. Um, he's calling, you know, of course he's hunting open ground and, and he can see a long ways and, and deer, you know, cover ground out there, but you know, he's calling every five minutes, um, you know, and he has great success with that. Um, tell me a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to deer calling and what role calling plays in your overall 
deer hunting strategy and, and kind of walk me through the season, you know, right from the early, early season, you know, might be in September, uh, you know, when there's not that much going on, you know, from a rut standpoint and, and how that might change, you know, right through the season as you get into the pre-rut and then the rut and then the post-rut and, and what kind of calling, you know, do you do? Sure. Um, you know, first of all, uh, calling deer, um, the actual calling aspect is probably the um, the one of the the least needed to actually harvest deer. Um, you know, just simply the fact there's not a lot of back and forth communication. You know, when you call an elk or you call a turkey or you call a duck or a goose. There's a lot of you calling, they're responding back, you're calling, they respond back. So there's a lot of that back and forth that goes on. With deer, that doesn't really happen. Um, you know, at least you know for 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 my years of experience of calling, a lot of it is just uh, drumming up their their curiosity, uh, and then some of it is way beyond curiosity once you get in the rut it, it becomes um, personal it becomes aggression and that's kind of what I'll um, you know basically take off from here is that uh, you know early season a lot of your calling is is honestly just more general communication during the early bow seasons uh, the rut's not on um, the bucks are are, are very nocturnal um, they're they're hunkering down in their bedding areas um, doe, doe sounds aren't aren't as um, responsive um, uh, than it is later in the rut. Um, so uh, a lot of your calling um, is, is, is maybe by chance when you happen to see one, you know. Um, but it's really great calling if you're calling does, you're trying to take out, you know, if you're managing your land for, uh, for the removal of, of does, trying to get your buck to doe ratios in check, um, using a fawn ball or distress ball is a very I mean, it, it, it's a rush. It's 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 almost like elk hunting. If you ever get a bull worked up and he comes charging in, that's about what this is. Because what you're emulating uh, emulating is a um, one of the fawns have been you know attacked, injured, whatever. She it's screaming for help, uh, as if maybe a coyote or something has got hold of it. And 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 the mama doe she comes charging in. You know, a lot of times they don't always bed next to each other. Uh, a lot of times the does and fawns are separated a little ways apart. I'm not sure why. My, my only guess would be that maybe she's, um, uh, if something comes close, she can stand up and kind of distract them away. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like what, what killdeer do when they're on the nest. When you get close to the nest, a killdeer will actually get up and run away and then act like it's hurt. To, to distract the predator coming to the nest. I think that's why they do that. So sometimes she's not always in eyesight of a doe, and when you start screaming, oh, they come charging in, I mean really close, almost to you if you're on the ground. So, you know, early season fawn balling and stuff always works. Um, but actually grunting hasn't always been um, – it, it, it works a small percentage of the time. But so, like I said, I think most so, of it's more for just so, general curiosity. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you. So give me – Give me a little fawn ball. You have a call there that you can you can sure. fawn ball on, and what does that sound like? Uh, well, we have uh, two two new grunt calls this year. We have the uh, uh, the Brotherhood, uh, which is kind of named after the Michael Adele gang, if you will. Um, it is a basically it's a knockdown, smaller version of the uh, the ever so popular um, uh, buck collector, um, where it does doe bleats, fawn bleats, grunts, um, even snort wheezes. But it's more of a 
nasal tone versus a deep guttural tone. So this is what a fawn ball will sound like on this. And if you can see that quiver, it's because I'm bending it and I'm shaking that call a little, so it adds that realism. We have another call, it's called um, the extinguisher. Um, this is um, a little bit different in the line of flextone because it actually uses a polycarbonate barrel um, on it. But the bell or the hose, what we've incorporated, it's a plastic um, tubing, so it's very similar to like a trachea, but we've added um, the rubber uh, shrink tube over it, and uh, so it softens that tone. And you, all you do is, is move a slide, it's called a, 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 a modest slide, to it to where, to where you actually go right to it. But here's the fawn ball on this. It's not as high pitched as the other one because just simply due to the fact that this is more fawn, fawn bleeding, not balling. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's where the flex tone of rubber is that you, you have a fawn ball, but if you want to go to, 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 to a, 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 a distress, you can even you know go a little bit in front of it and shortens that read and you can change the tone just at a touch of a finger. Gotcha. So, so that's a great tactic for early season, especially like you said, if you drawn in those does for getting some meat in the freezer before the rut comes. And uh, uh -huh. so, then as the season goes on, uh, you start to do a little bit more grunting and and pick that up uh, with some other other things as the as the pre rut kind of heats up, huh? Oh, absolutely. Once you start seeing, you know, scrapes or. Uh, scrape lines are being established and being created, and, and you're starting to see more buck activity during the daylight hours. They're starting to do the, the what I call trolling for does. Um, you know, they'll they'll hit those scrape lines and they're moving. Uh, that's that's when you know they they start getting a little more aggressive. The hours of the day are getting shorter, which is basically increases their testosterone level, and 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 it, and basically it's like. Uh, uh, football player inject himself with steroids. They should get really aggressive. And uh, calling, calling is fun that time of year, from from the pre-rut all the way into the rut, because it's. Um, uh, that, I mean, that's when you can really call in a monster, uh, you know, a true trophy, because they'll stick to that bedding area. But man, when 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 they start smelling those does and they start hitting it, they're moving and they're trolling, and that's when you see. The big boys out moving during daylight hours, where you don't see that early bow season. That you know, early bow season, you're, you know, the only chance of getting something big is is really hunting a food source. So by 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 using aggressive calls, whether it's a uh, a tending grunt uh, or even a uh, you know a roar or a growl uh, or even a snort wheeze, you know, using a decoy with a snort wheeze is always you know an awesome um, scenario to use because it basically. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's yeah, let's walk through a few different scenarios. I'm going to throw some scenarios out at you, and then I mm -hmm. want you to tell me what you do and then demonstrate some calling sequences, okay? Okay. First one, let's say, and, and again, before we get into this, let's talk about time frame. You, you talk about, you know, as the pre-rut starts to heat up and through the rut, you know, for most people in whitetail country, what are we talking about here? Basically last week of October through the middle of November, give or take? Absolutely. Absolutely. I hunt, uh, most of my hunting um, is done in uh, northern Missouri uh, to northeast Kansas, stuff like that. And, um, and it's amazing. Those two places I hunt, they're, they're only two, two and a half hours apart. But their but their ruts are a little different. I don't know why, but Missouri's are always a little sooner. Uh, with, I mean, if I had the choice to be in the deer with any time in the year for northern Missouri to central Missouri, it would be 
from, I would probably say, October 30th through November the 8th. To me, that's just a magical time. You know, the, the rut may be late, a little bit early, but somewhere in there, you're, you're, you're hitting it when they're trolling, they're moving, they're aggressive, they're, they're very territorial. Uh, you make a sound of a dominant buck in a do another dominant buck's area, he, he's coming to investigate. He's, he's coming to, to basically want to know why you're there. Mm. And, he, and he's ready to fight, possibly. So okay, that's so where we're rattling. So let, let's, let's take some scenarios now. Let's say you're just going in. Let's say you're hunting a stand uh, somewhere in, in the hardwoods, okay? You're either set mm. up along a trail or you're on a, an oak flat or something like that, and you're in your stand. Um, there's no deer in sight. And you're sitting there. Are you going to do any blind calling, Dean? And if you do, what kind of blind calling are you going to do, just to try and attract some deer that might be in earshot? Sure. Um, you know, normally when I when I when I hunt situations like that, I try to get uh, somewhat close to bedding areas, closer to the year. But as you're getting in the rut, yeah, those those uh, major trails, um, funnels, which are basically you know, uh, wooded areas that, that neck down to a smaller area that connect maybe to another, to another patch of woods, whether it be a fence line or just, just, just a funnel of, of, of woods that, that narrow down where corners of fields or a field will, will neck it down. You have a little area. I always like hunting that, you know, that area because uh, those are always moving in and out. They don't, you know, deer don't always want to show themselves in a field daylight, but they feel protected within the confines of the woods. And so anytime you have a bottleneck, that's always a great area. Of course, you know, paying attention to winds always a must. You try to get the wind right. But, uh, you know, when I first set up, I'm, I'm basically just, I'll just uh, basically do just some slight grunting, more communicated. And if that, that doesn't happen within about 10 minutes, then I'll start doing some tending grunts and, you know, maybe some clicking. So it sounds like a, a, a buck basically, uh, not necessarily chasing, but getting real close to a doe and, and, and makes those uh, makes those sounds. And, and that basically, if you're in another buck's area and he's hearing that, you know, wow, you've invaded his territory and and, and have, uh, you know, got onto a hot doe, he'll come right in to try to steal that doe away. So, you know, I, I'll make sounds, you know, very similar to like just when you start off just your basic grunt, just... <laughs> just, just a couple, two, three grunts like that. Um, then when you get into more your tending grunts and stuff like that, you'll it'll it'll be longer, um, uh, more 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 grunts in it, similar like this. And then you'll have um, I, I like to do it uh, what they call clicking, and that's when a, a a buck is I mean he is really close, he's right up at the rear end of that of that doe, she may be moving. I'm not sure if he, it, a lot of time I hear it when they're, when they're walking fast. So I don't know if it's just his walking and pounding does it, but it's just a clicking sound. And all you got to do is just, 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 just tick it with your tongue, similar to this. Just, just real short little clicks. And, and that means he's really excited. He's real close to that doe. Um, and that, that, that really uh, keys onto the, to the territorial uh, aspect of another buck being another buck's territory. Gotcha. Now let's say, here's another scenario. Let's say you're in your stand, uh, maybe in the same area, but now you actually see a buck moving in the distance. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it looks like he's going to pass, you know, he's not going to necessarily be coming into, into range. Okay. But you, you, you can see him. What are you going to, what's the first thing you're going to do when you see that buck? 
well, a lot of times what I always, if I physically see a buck, I always try to do it doe sound. So, so I'll either use, um, you know, like our, our bone box or our stealth bleed, which is a, a flip over type um, uh, doe call. Uh, it, it's freeze proof. It's easy to do it. Doesn't have the longest range in the world, but you do that. Um, if that doesn't get his attention, then I'll go up and, and sound. So I'll I'll start with more like a um, um, you know a, 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 just a buck grunt, just and if that doesn't get it, then then you start getting into you know more of your roars and stuff like that, uh, where it's it's a really aggressive uh, it's a roar or a growl. That, and it's really loud, and they, they make that when they're when they're close to a, a doe. And I I truly feel they do it when they when they sense the presence of another buck. They'll make that sound as a warning. Um, you know, uh, at least that's my interpretation of of, of the roar. But uh, you know, roars didn't really come come about until they started people started hearing it. They got videos, and people started coming out with calls that were able to do the roar of the growl. And I tell you what, I've, that call in the snort wheeze has, has, has turned more bucks around for me in the past four years than, than any call. But there again, that's right, right in the peak of the rut when those, you know, that buck may be 200 yards away. He may be crossing a field. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm bow hunting. There's a, you know, trophy buck out there. And I just can't get him his attention on on a bleed or something. I'll do that roar uh, or that snort wheeze, and I'm telling you what, that he'll turn around on that one. And I've had, you know, I've had him just. Um, I, I had one come. It was, you know, 175 yards across the creek, a 12 foot, you know, ditch, and he was chasing. He was slow, just tending about three does, keeping his distance, and I did that. And I'm telling you what, he bailed off into the creek, and before I knew it, he was darn near underneath my tree. Mm. And, uh, and if it wouldn't been for the wind shifting, I mean, I, I would have, you know, I would have uh, harvested that buck. Um, but the winds were swirling right where I was at, and, and he got within about 25 yards facing me, and all of a sudden he, he threw that nose up, and the you know, gig was up. But that was, you know, that. Uh, the, the roar and the snort weeds are just absolutely killer calls for prime rut time calling. Talk, talk, you get such a great response out of it. Talk to me a little bit more about the snort wheeze and demonstrate that for us. What, uh, you know, wh- how do you make the decision, you know, between a roar and a snort wheeze and, and what kind of makes you uh, determine which, which call you're going to use in a given situation? Well, if, if I've just seen him and I, and I do a roar, you know, I'll get, um, you know, I get his attention. And if I, I'll, I'll go back and just do like a tending grunt. If that doesn't get him to turn, then I'll do a snort wheeze because what I'm trying to mimic is that, okay, I'm a buck. Now I, now I notice you out in the field and now I'm giving you a snort wheeze to tell you to go away. Basically, so I make, I, I'm forcing him to make a decision. You either come now or go. And, and that, that's how I interpret the snort wheeze. But I also love the snort wheeze when using a decoy, uh, that is, man, that's, that's, that's powerful there. When you have a decoy set up in front of you, especially as a bow hunter, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it, when you get that, when you do a snore wheeze, he sees that, you'll, you'll know, I mean, he'll start coming in, his walk becomes more stiff-legged, the hairs on the back of his back and his neck raise up, his ears are laid back, 
and he's ready to take the challenge to whip you. And his focus is totally on that decoy. And it takes all that tension away from you as a bow hunter to, to, to be able to, to make your move when you need to, to pull the bow back and whatnot. And his focus is totally on that, on that decoy. You really, honestly, once he makes that commitment, you really don't have to make another call <laughs> because he is now locked in. His sonar is on you, and, and he's, he's coming in to whip. And, and, I mean, there's a lot of companies that uh, put out videos and TV shows that have shown, you know, bucks coming in that way and actually, uh, you know, uh, ramming that decoy, you know. And they're like, what in the world? They kind of freak out when they realize it's not a real deer. And they don't stick around much longer after that. But uh, it's, it's pretty amazing use of a decoy because it takes their attention away. Now, when you're talking about decoying, um, you're typically uh, talking about a, a field edge kind of setup in that scenario. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah, you want to do it to where that because a buck will come. He would prefer to come downwind, so you try to take that element away because what, what he'll do, he'll come and face off. Um, so you don't always want that wind blowing from the rear end of the doe or from the buck or the decoy out to where he's coming from because he could pick up on the scent that that you have left on your decoy. And a lot of people will use rubber gloves and use some masking scents like, you know, buck lure and stuff like that around it or on it. That helps too. But I always like to do it. Of course, your number one concern is, you know, where the wind's coming from you to that area of the decoy. You don't want it, so you prefer that. A crosswind is what I prefer the most, where the wind's blowing right in my face. So I always, you know, choose it to where it's that way. And, and, and the wind's coming from the field to you and going into hopefully not a big patch of woods, uh, hopefully maybe another, another, another field line or something like maybe you're on the edge of woods on a fence row or something. So you always have to be you know, uh, aware of where, that, where your scent's going to. Uh, but you want that scent not to be going to where that buck, because that buck is going to square off. So whenever you put that decoy at, you're, your shot is going to be where he's coming in and facing that deer head on where you get a broadside shot. So a lot of your, you know, a lot of your setups are where, is where that decoy is basically broadside to you as well. Mm-hmm. So give me a demonstration of the snort wheeze and uh, how you do it. Okay. Um, snort wheeze, there, you know, we have several calls that do it. Our, our, our brotherhood has done a little bit differently than the than the uh, uh, buck collector. The buck collector actually has another little porthole on top that you blow through, and it goes through a um, a uh, uh, snort wheeze uh, channel is what I call it. The brotherhood, being that it's smaller, you don't have that 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 ability to to, to have that channel and thing on top. You basically flip it around, you blow it from the other end. So that's what's nice uh, on the Brotherhood because, a lot, like, like I said, a lot of people didn't want the deep guttural sounds. They wanted more of a, a tempy or a, um, a nasal sound, um, and they also didn't want it to be big. You know, they want it smaller for the bow hunter. So the Brotherhood, you just flip it around and you just blow the words, and then same way with or similar to that, but with a, a buck collector, you'll blow from the from the top porthole in and just say the words and you do some of it with your with, with your tongue your teeth but the call does the majority of it just by the way the the wind blows through channels and then separates what we call the 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 channel which which causes it to separate and it causes the 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 swishy sound on it 
that's how you do the uh, smart ways. Mm, okay. Um, now, we haven't touched really on another big form of calling uh, yet, and we'll get to that now, and that's rattling. And, mm-hmm. again, you know, that's probably going to maybe start a little bit even, you know, maybe even the middle of October, you know, bucks are starting yep. to do, you know, maybe some light, lighter sparring. And, again, the intensity of that is going to pick up right uh, up uh, through the rut uh, when the competition, exactly. you know, really intensifies for the for the breeding. But uh, talk to me a little bit about rattling, how and when you use it, and I know that you guys have a new rattle call this year as well. Yes, sir. Um, you know, rattling is very, very effective. Um, of course, you know, Texas always seems to be the, the, the A number one place to do a lot of rattling. I think uh, just simply just due to the fact of the, the terrain, the the mesquite flats, um, uh, you don't have big, big hardwoods. That, uh, the, the deer don't have uh, a lot of areas where they can see long distance, and so they're coming in um, to, to take a look at. Also, I think, you know, the, for some reason, the, the rut lasts a little longer in Texas. They, they, it, uh, um, I think the does uh, go in and out at, at different times, so it's, to me, I think it's a little bit longer where this rattling really is effective, but for for instance, like in the Midwest, um, uh, as you said, early uh, mid-October, right before they kind of really start thinking about the um, uh, doing the scrapes and whatnot, um, you'll find young young bucks out there sparring. They're not really hardcore fighting. They're just you know that testosterone level I think is getting getting up and uh, on on those deer too, uh, where they kind of feel a little aggression and. But they don't really want to hurt. I think they, they just go in there, t- you know, tingle a little bit. But what it does, it it brings the curiosity of, of of older bucks. You know, they they hear that, so they want to know what buck is in their territory, and they'll come to invest. It. They don't necessarily come, you know, full bore, you know, running in there to to whip them. But they're coming in, you know, quietly and kind of sneaking around to see who who's out there, basically. Um, you know, there's two types of rattling systems, at least at Flexum. Offers we have uh, um, our, our battle bag, which is um, very unique in the fact that we try to figure out how to use rubber with that. And what we, what we've come up with is is basically it's a it's a rubber net bag. Um, so uh, and then we use um, um, polymers, different polymers um, with air bubbles, trying to reenact the um, the actual bone core you find in in a, in a horn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, in our sticks, and some of them are hollow, so that basically emits even more sounds out. But what I like about the rubber bag is that it's it does not muffle the sound. That's that's what's bad about cloth bags because it muffles the sound. Uh, and even the netting bag, the small netting bag, even though it's better than the cloth, it still uh, you know uh, um, muffles the sound. With our with our rubber bag, there those holes are about a half an inch you know big in in, in diameter. So it's not blocking hardly any of the sound. Mm-hmm. And being as rubber, it's very flexible, so you can you can get really after it. With cloth bags, you're restricted to to the diameter of how that's sewn. With a rubber net, if you will, um, of ours, you can really get after it, and, and it'll stretch and move, and you can really get after it. It has a really great sound. Um, so so that's one. But a lot of hunters still like the horns. They you know they like the 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 unique sound that the horn does uh, 
does give and um, you know real horns they do age in time they change in their tone um, but the older they get the the sound is not as sharp and crisp as it is from year to year so it's always uh, hard to get a really nice set of horns for most people because uh, most people are, are mounting those horns they're not going to cut them up to use them to, to rattle so um, you know um, you know we partnered with a company that makes a uh, it's a synthetic horn but um, the whole preface behind this is that uh, so many horns you're using one uh, basically one set uh, basic you know um, one set of horns so it's by, it's so that's basically the sounds of of a deer fight itself. Mm -hmm. um, with with our black rack, this black rack is basically two full sets. So it's really has the number of, of times clicking that's synonymous to two two bucks fighting. Um, so um, it's designed so it doesn't um, crush your knuckles or pinch your fingers. So that's always helpful because that boy it really hurts when you get after it. All of a sudden you got a horn and boom hits your finger. I mean you stop real quick and not even say a few choice words. But the uh, the black rack um, basically prohibits that from happening. Uh, you can act, I mean you can get right into it. Because when when a buck is really I mean fighting, they're I mean they are crashing and they are hitting horns really hard. I mean some as, as most of you hunters know that I mean you, you find bucks that are locked up and a lot of that's because they hit with such force that those horns will flex just slightly upon that upon that sudden impact, but when it when it hits it kind of swells back and they can't release those horns. And um, you know, there's there's been several, you know, beautiful um trophy Boone and Crockett bucks found dead because they do their fighting. It's it's so intense and so aggressive and they're such powerful animals that those horns lock up and they can't get them un unstuck. And they end up, you know, dying from exhaustion and, and, and starvation. Uh, predators will get them. But um, this um, this black rack is, is very easy to carry. They, that, you know, they nest together so it fits in your backpack um, however you need to. Um, and you can actually put, you know, Velcro straps is what I do on mine two of them so they don't clack when I'm carrying them. And when I'm done, I just, you know, zip it off and I use it. But this, this black rack is, um, I love it. it. It has the most realistic sound of the, 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 the core of it. The, the formula used for this basically causes air bubbles, which is just like the pores, um, um, the, uh, bone. Bone of the deer. Core consistency of, 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 of bone core, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so they've uh, just a great job at the sound that this thing emits and the design of it. It's easy to carry, doesn't pinch your fingers, and sounds like two two adult bucks truly fighting. Tell me a little bit about uh, when you when you rattle, Dean. Uh, how how loud will you rattle? How long will you rattle? Um. You know, yeah, it depends upon the year. Because you know, early season, you know, it's 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 tingling. Um, give me, give but, me, give me an example. Honestly, I always kind of. I'm sorry. Give me an example of just like some real light rattling that you do early in the okay. season. Uh, you know, whenever I decide to rattle, I always start off light, no matter what the season is, because I don't necessarily want to blow a buck out. You know, I want to. I want him to say, "Oh, there's 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 a little sparring going on or something." So it'll it'll just be just light tingling like this. 
like that, and then wait a few minutes. If nothing comes, then, then you're going to increase your intensity. Now, one thing I like to do, a lot of people don't think about doing it, but what what happens with, you know, two bucks fighting, they're, they're I mean, they're very aggressive. They're, they are worked up to the point that they're ready to fight. And a lot of times, they'll grunt as they fight. So I always recommend people to have a, have a grunt call in their mouth that allows you to grunt while they're, while they're fighting, you know. Um, also, if you can do it on the ground, that's even more uh, realistic, adding the sounds, because you'll take the, your, your antlers and, and you'll pound them on the ground, uh, which mimics the sound of their hoofs or their feet, you know, stomping the ground to push off to, to shove, because a lot of rattling, um, if you've ever seen them, uh, you know, for any time, yes, there's a there's rattling that goes on, but there's a lot of time where they're just their their horns are just locked together. They're not rattling, but they're pushing. It's like a tug of war. They're pushing against each other mm-hmm. to 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 show dominance that I'm stronger than you. Um, and then all of a sudden, one will twist the antlers and they'll start you know moving their heads again. Um, but a lot of that, you know, if you can do it from the ground, rattling's always the best on the ground. Uh, but as a bow hunter, that's always tough because now you're ground level. It's hard to rattle. Put your horns down, pick your bow up, pull back. You know, unless you're doing it in a blind or something, or, or, you know, which is always a possibility. But up, up in a tree stand is honestly where a lot of your Midwest uh, guys do a lot of their rattling because the mentality there is that you, since you're up higher, you can see them coming from a longer ways. They've already zoned in on where the sound's coming from, so you can stop, put your horns up, and pick up your gun or bow in time that when he when he gets to that shooting range, you're already pulled back. So mm-hmm. there's two scenarios, but you, you're not going to be able to pound the ground. But, um, you know, to, to start off a scenario like that, like I said, you did the clicking, and then all of a sudden you're going... You know, you're, you're 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 constantly hitting real hard, and then you're doing you're the twisting, um, and then you're pounding again. You know, basically maybe they maybe they broke loose, and then they squared up again and hit again. Um, I don't do a lot of it, but you know, anywhere from two to two to four times, I, I'll pound and hit it as if they've released. Um, honestly, a lot of butt fights that I've seen, either I've experienced or seen really don't last more than 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have seen some that have lasted two, three minutes, you know. So I don't think there's always a, a right or a wrong here. Uh, I think it's just, you know, because I think if you have a subordinate buck trying to fight a dominant buck, uh, that uh, butt whipping is going to occur pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, but if you have two mature ones that are of equal status and stature and, and, and uh, experience and, and – uh, power uh, it can last for a long time <laughs> so well you know i tell you what it uh it's definitely exciting you know when you get into that right time of the year and you can call and you see a response from the animals and uh it's you know so many times uh, i think hunters make the mistake of climbing into their stand and, and they just sit there you know they just sit there for three hours five hours eight hours you know and you know, honestly, that 
you can kill a lot of deer that way during the rut, especially when deer are on their feet. But it's so much more exciting, you know, to get to do some calling and to to be able to turn, you know, an animal too, you know, something that, um, you know, he he probably not probably not coming into bow range if you don't call. So you don't Absolutely. have a, you don't have a whole lot to lose at that point. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, you know, true true calling of, of deer per se is a is a very minute, uh, low number. Ten percent of the time it works. You know, it's not like you know turkey hunting where you get you help and you get a gobble back. You know, all of a sudden here comes that and now that communication's back and forth. It doesn't happen that way with deer, but um, you can turn a lot of deer your way. Um, whether through just general general curiosity or true um, anger and um, um, aggression during the rut, I mean it does work, but it, it, it doesn't work more of the time than it does work. But I, and I think that's where a lot of hunters lose faith. I think they feel that they've done something wrong, so I'm just not going to call anymore because it's not working. That's that's not the mentality to use. You 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 do that. Um, it's basically kind of a shot in the dark is what it is. You know, I don't think there's going to be too many things that you can do that will spook a deer. Now, have I spooked a deer calling? You betcha. <laughs> I've, I've done that a few times. They're like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But I don't know why why it happened. I mean, I've, there's been a couple times where, you know, bucks uh, coming uh, that I need just to turn a little bit, you know, to get within bow range, and I'll make a grunt or something. Boom, head throws up. He's in full alert. And he's changed directions. He's walking away. Why did that happen? I don't know. I mean, he could have just come from a fight, you know, could have had his butt whipped, you know, yesterday, and not, not really wanting to get into it again. I mean, I don't know. But of the times that um, whether it did, you know, had a negative response or a positive response, I've had more positive responses than negative responses. But I've had way, 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 way more no responses out of calling <laughs> than I had the other, you know. It's like, hey, at least I threw it out there to see if it works. It didn't work, so be it. You know, it, 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 you know at least I tried. Um, I don't think it, it didn't speak to deer or anything. Um, I know there's times where I'll call, and that deer hears me. He's walking, and when I call, his ear shifts, and he's, he's now turning that ear to listen to you, and I call again, and he just keeps walking. Doesn't even give me the common courtesy to turn around, and look, or stop, or it just keeps walking. But I know he heard me. Mm-hmm. Why they Why they didn't stop? I don't know. But I didn't spook him. Right. You know, he, he's. I don't know if he's on a mission. Maybe he's on a. Maybe on a trail on doe, or maybe he's he's ready to go bed down. I mean, I don't know. Well, but, I've had um, yeah, and yeah, and you know what, Dean? I've had situations, and I'm sure you've had this too. Um, you know, sometimes. Uh, they don't respond right away, but sometimes they come back, you know, I had, Absolutely. I, I had a buck, <laughs> I had a buck a couple of years ago in Illinois that I, I grunted and I rattled and, you know, like you said, he just, he, you know, when they have their mind in their mind that they're going somewhere and they know where they want to go, like you said, I, I mean, it's almost like, you know, raising the dead, trying to get them to veer off of that course. But, uh-huh. you know, sometimes a half an hour later after they go check out, you know, maybe he smelled a doe or he wanted to go check something out and he goes and takes care of that. And then he thinks, now, I wonder 
if there was a buck over there. I heard that. I'm going to go see if I can kick somebody's ass now. And then mm-hmm. here he comes back over, you know, and that buck came back seriously 30 minutes later and walked seven yards to the base of my tree. <laughs> so you, you are absolutely 100% correct. I've had that happen. It was, it was a younger buck. It wasn't one that I was going to, to shoot. Uh, but I made the call anyway, just, just because, you know, I like to see how deer react to it because that's the only way you learn, you know, that's the way you learn, you know, making calls to turkeys or to elk, you know, you, you understand things you can get away with, things you can't, things that work, maybe not so much to work. So if you don't do it, you don't learn from it. And, but I had one where it did it. And like I said, uh, but I, that one did actually, he stopped and turned and looked. Um, and then I grunted again, or I believe I can't remember what I did. Then he turned right around and kept walking. And I don't know if he was basically on his routine of checking scrapes. That hey, I'm checking these scrapes, come you know, before I do anything. And like you said, it was about 45 minutes to an hour later. All of a sudden, here he comes from behind me. Same buck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew the buck. He had. To, I mean, you could tell his horns. It was that buck. But when whenever he got done with what he wanted to get done, he came back to check to see. If those deer or whatever made that sound is still in the air, and he come walking, he was looking. It wasn't like he was nose to ground smelling, you know, on a trail or something. He was physically walking and looking. He was looking for deer. Yep. <laughs> so, so I knew that uh, that was the buck, and, and you know, when he got done with whatever he was doing, he was coming back to see, you know, who it was and if they were still there sure and it's not always that long either. Sometimes it's just ten minutes, you know, and and that's mm-hmm. the thing where you know, that's pretty common and, and it's so easy, you know, 10 minutes doesn't sound like that much time when you and I are sitting here talking on the phone, you know, we think out oh, 10 minutes, that's just, you know, 10 minutes. But when you're up in a tree and you rattle and you're watching intently after you finish rattling, I mean, 10 minutes is a long time. Your mind, trust me, within about five minutes, your mind tends to wander. And I've had situations where, you know, one in particular, the year before I killed that big buck in Illinois, a different area of the same farm, about 10 minutes later, I was looking one way and I turned around and I mean, a nice 140 class buck was standing 15 yards broadside under the tree and I was facing the wrong direction and my bow was on the hook and that buck was off the hook because of it so yeah when you when you call you've got to be vigilant because you may be getting a response that you're not even aware of you know that buck has heard you he may be a couple hundred yards away and like you said he may circle downwind and come in real sneaky you know and by the time he steps into the opening you could easily be distracted or looking in another direction and man now he's got the leg up on you (laughs) (laughs) so anyhow hey like you said if you don't try you'll never know and then that's what it all boils down to because you gave a lot of great advice in today's show and and some demonstrations and some things that guys can can do for sure but every situation is different every area of the country is different and that's what guys need to take you know the knowledge from experts such as yourself and kind of experiment with a a little bit and figure out you know what what works uh for them and 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 in time you know you kind of become a little bit of a local expert for wherever it is that you're chasing whitetails well you know the biggest thing is just just being out in the field and 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 experiencing what what nature gives you um you know i can remember 
for the longest time in my early years before I even got in the industry, you know, I, I never heard a doe bleat or a buck even grunt. And then, you know, the, the more you stay in it, you know, now you now you actually hear it uh, or you actually see it. And, and there's been times where, you know, I hear this sound and it's like I never knew that was a deer, you know. Now I know, you know, like like the clicking sound. Of, and I didn't know what that, and it was at a distance. I have no idea until you saw it close to the first one. Now you know what to listen for. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, my early years of turkey hunting. Uh, it, it, for all you turkey hunters hearing one spit drum, I didn't know what that sound was. And you can hear that for, uh, honestly, pretty good little distance. Um, but I never knew what it was until I actually had one in front of me that, that did it. And I went, oh, that's what makes that sound, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, uh, the, the more and more hours you spend, I feel, you know, in the woods, in a tree stand, in a blind, hunting and, and, and living and loving the lifestyle that we all enjoy, um, will you gain that experience and, and hear things and experience things that, that, that will add to your hunting experience and add to, uh, you know, honestly, your confidence level at calling. And that's a lot of what calling is all about, is just your confidence level. Uh, whether you're doing it right or saying the right thing or doing it at the right time, it's, it's all one of those things that if you don't experience it, you'll never know. So don't be afraid to, to call. You know, do it in moderation. Um, don't do, you know, I would say don't do it too much. When I say don't do it too much, you know, don't sit there and, and grunt every five minutes. And I wouldn't do that. But, you know, every 10, 15 minutes, do a series of grunts, you know. Uh, uh, gosh, I had one one, one, one young kid uh, I took hunting. Uh, and, I mean, he wasn't shy about calling. He, he called literally almost every minute or two minutes. And after about the first 15 minutes, I'm like, you know, you might want to back off just a little on that scenario. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, you know, it's one of those things. If, if you don't try it, you won't know it. And I'm sure probably if, if I've never been there and he was doing it, he probably would have done it a lot less and then, then realized that maybe, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes apart maybe was a better scenario. But you never know. He might be the next one that came up with a new sound, a new way of doing it. That, 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 that's what sparks us all into doing it. But like I said, unless you try it, uh, you, you know, you'll never know. So, Well, the good news is it's not going to be long, Dean, until we have a chance to get out there and try it. So I'm looking uh, forward to it. I know you are, too. For those of us who, are, those of you who are listening, you, you want to check out uh, www.flextonegamecalls.com. You can get all the information on the new The Brotherhood, The Extinguisher, The Black Rack. Uh, you want to get out to your uh, local hunting store pick yourself up one of those calls and uh, certainly we wish you the best of success with that uh, this season Dean I know you're going to be using the new calls so send me a trophy shot when you shoot the big one with uh, with one of those new calls okay absolutely would love to yeah man thanks again really appreciate you being with me I'll talk to you again soon very good appreciate you having me thank you very much thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio presented by Easton's new ultra-micro-diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.